All right, we're going to look at Romans chapter 12, and then we're going to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 7, chapter 7. These two epistles are written by the Apostle Paul, and quite often we have heard from Christian experience that we are not to seek vengeance, because vengeance belongs to the Lord. The saying, vengeance is mine, I will repay, belongs to God, and it does not belong to us. We can see at Romans chapter 12 and verse 19, Paul mentions, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. However, I want to take a different approach. That the saying, Vengeance is mine, yes, it is true that that belongs to the Lord, and we cannot seek vengeance for ourselves. But I want to dare say the opposite, that we can say vengeance is mine. That we can say that there is something that we should avenge ourselves for. You might say, really, that sounds contradictory to Scripture. Actually, no. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 11. The Bible says, For behold this selfsame thing, that ye sorrowed after a godly sort, what carefulness it wrought in you, Yea, what clearing of yourselves, yea, what indignation, yea, what fear, yea, what vehement desire, yea, what zeal, yea, what, yea, what revenge. At verse 11 of 2 Corinthians chapter 7. In all things ye have approved yourselves to be clear in this matter. Basically, Romans 12 is pointing out that we are not to seek vengeance when it comes to other people around us human enemies around us that we are not to seek vengeance because it's up to God to seek vengeance. Otherwise, it's a fleshly thing to do that we seek revenge against fellow humans all around us. However, there is one thing that you're supposed to seek vengeance as 2 Corinthians chapter 7, and that is against your flesh, against your sin. If there is an enemy that is greater than any human around the world, that is yourself. If there is an enemy that I hate more than the devil, to be honest, it's actually my flesh. So this flesh is such a wicked substance that causes us to displease God, to sin over and over again, and we fail in our Christian walk because we lack vengeance against our flesh. So I hope that today's message will be a blessing to you and that if you're a type of person that cease anger and vengeance, it should be aimed toward the right target and not the wrong one. And that should be against your flesh. The title of my message today is Vengeance is Mine. Let's pray. God, my Father, please fill within me the power of the Holy Spirit and wash away my sins with your blood. I pray today's preaching will be a blessing to the hearers and that it will prick our hearts and that it will change our lives, protect us, protect our church, and help us to continue to maintain whatever liberty that we have while trying to uh, follow the regulations, submitting while we can, and to be able to preach the gospel, and able to preach to the people, and where people's lives can be changed and you can get the greater glory and honor. Heavenly Father, I am weak and useless today, and I need you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. My first point is operating for vengeance. My first point is operating for vengeance. I want you to turn to John chapter 2, please. John chapter 2. Now, how vengeance operates is found in the following points that I'm going to give to you. We need to keep vengeance operating against our flesh. That way we can get victory. That way we don't fall into defeat. But a lot of times... Our vengeance wears out, and we lose it when we need it to keep ourselves angry against the flesh, against the temptation of our lust. So look at John chapter 2 and verse 14. Let's look at the Lord and, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What made Him angry? This is what made Him angry. Verse 14, and found in the temple. Now, did you read that? It says, found in the temple. He found something that made him angry and found in the temple those that sold oxen and sheep and doves 
and the changers of money sitting. And when he had made a scourge of small cords, he drove them all out of the temple and the sheep and the oxen and poured out the changers money and overthrew the tables and said unto them that sold doves, take these things hence, make not my father's house and house of merchandise. And his disciples remembered that it was written, the zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. Now notice at verse 17, Jesus' zeal ate him up. He was very angry because at verse 14, he found something that made him angry. Basically, at the temple, instead of worshiping God, they turned it into a money-exchanging business. And there are some churches like that, right? <laughs> there are some churches like that. They run a money-profiting business rather than as a building where you can come and worship the Lord together. Now, back to the main point at hand, we see what made Jesus angry is that he found something that was a problem. He found something that became a burden for him, which is why verse 17 says, The zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. And that's the key. The reason why we don't seek vengeance against our flesh is that we don't find something that makes us angry. The thing is, we're too busy feeling in our flesh instead of finding something that's wrong with our flesh. I mean, Jesus at verse 14, he found in the temple. And that's what you need to do. You need to find something in your flesh that makes you angry. Instead of just feeling the flesh, you need to be finding. But instead, we're too busy feeling. But we need to be finding something what's wrong with us. If there's a critical thought that pops out in our mind, we should be finding that critical thought and catch ourselves and, and get angry about that. If there's something that causes us to get depressed and miserable, we need to find it and catch it and says, what made me sad right here? What's the thing that made me depressed? And you need to be angry against that thing. You need to find something that's causing you to uh, slow down in your Bible reading, your prayer life. What's causing some of you not to attend church? You need to find that thing and you need to pay it back with the church. What is it that's banning you? Is it misery? Is it just laziness? Is it drudgery? You need to find it. But instead, you're too busy feeling, feeling. You're not too busy finding. And when you find the problem, then what's going to happen is you're going to get a burden about it and you're going to get grieved about it and you're going to say, Man, I am so grieved on how this flesh is getting the betterment of me and I need to pay it back. I need to avenge myself of this wicked flesh. Now, if you see something that grieves you or if you see something that gives you such a hassle, doesn't it make you angry? I mean, if there is something that, if there's like a pain in your skin, that keeps itching you, and it's a horrible itch, and just will not go away, or there's a sharp pain in your stomach that just won't go away, it becomes a hassle to you. Doesn't it make you upset? Naturally, it does. It makes any human being upset. If there is someone that keeps grieving your loved one, grieving your life, and keeps giving you a hard time, doesn't it make you upset? It should. So that's the thing is that don't you find some things in your flesh that keeps bothering you, becomes a hassle to you? Don't you find things in your flesh that keeps grieving you? Who is happy after they commit a sin? Who is happy after they skip Bible reading and prayer and skip a church service? Who's happy about that? So then shouldn't that make you angry then? It should be natural in life when something hassles you or grieves you, that you get upset about it. Well, why aren't you upset? Why aren't you upset at one of the worst enemies in your life, and that is your flesh? Not the people around you. It's actually this substance right here, yourself. Turn to 1 Samuel chapter 11. 1 Samuel chapter 11. I noticed another thing that can cause anger and vengeance, and we'll look at the case of Saul. The men of Jabesh-Gilead in this passage, they're actually being scoffed, 
by Nahash the Ammonite. And Nahash the Ammonite, he, he, he mentioned that he will pluck out their eyes. And he made them a scorn and a scoff amongst the land of the nation of Israel. So the men of Jabesh Gilead, they were in grief. They were seeking help. They sought somebody to rescue them while their enemy, Nahash the Ammonite, was laughing his head off, could not wait to just pluck out the eyes of the poor men of Jabesh Gilead. And that made Saul angry. Look at 1 Samuel chapter 11 and verse 2. And Nahash the Ammonite answered them, On this condition will I make a covenant with you, that I may thrust out all your right eyes, and lay it for a reproach upon all Israel. Now look at verse 5. And behold, Saul came after the herd out of the field, and Saul said, What aileth the people that they weep? And they told him the tidings of the men of Jabesh. And the Spirit of God came upon Saul when he heard those tidings, and his anger was kindled greatly. So the reaction Saul had when he heard about the news that the poor men of Jabesh Gilead were about to get their eyes plucked out by this pagan king, he got angry. He got angry and he says, okay, I'm, gonna see, I'm going to pay back and I am going to conquer this enemy. What keeps vengeance operating is that you see nobody standing up on your behalf while the enemy is laughing at you. That will get you to seek vengeance. The men of Jabesh Gilead, they were seeking for help. They were weeping. They're about to get their eyes plucked out by this enemy while the enemy is laughing at them. I mean, if somebody in this church was to be threatened by some wicked person, threatening them to uh, plug out their right eyes, and you had the power to defend them, you had the power and the resources and the capability to rescue them, wouldn't you do something about it? Wouldn't you get angry? Wouldn't you get angry and seek justice on their behalf and make sure that punishment was properly met. The thing is, is that, but no one is standing up on their behalf. What if nobody was standing up on anybody's behalf in the church? And then everybody just left that poor brother or that poor sister to lose his or her eyes against that wicked person. Wouldn't that anger you a bit more? That would anger you a bit more, right? That no one is standing up on some poor victim's behalf. Well, that's the same thing. Shouldn't that be the same thing where no one is standing up against the wickedness of this flesh? And then the devil is laughing his head off. And temptation says, the thousandth time I beat you again to that same sin. The thousandth time I defeated you where you skipped your Bible reading and prayer time again. Can you not picture that? And doesn't that make you angry? Doesn't that make you angry that the devil is laughing his head off, the flesh is laughing at you again, and feeling satisfied again, while the Holy Spirit is grieving within? I mean, don't you, uh, didn't you ever watch those movies where the villain is laughing, and the directors deliberately make it where the villain becomes more evil, more wicked, where the villain has his day and he's laughing and he's hurting the poor victim and it just goes on for minutes to hours and you're like, when will that hero come to rescue? And you get so angry and then you feel like that you want to be there to punch the villain. Sometimes you get upset at some of the characters in the movie who are not standing up against the villain. Well, if we, I mean, you got to realize that this is not a movie we're talking about right here. This is reality. The reality is, is that you got an evil enemy called the devil and you got this wicked flesh that is laughing at you 24-7 and is cackling and hurting your life, hurting your loved ones. That should make you angry and you got to say, okay, enough is enough. I'm going to stand up and defeat this flesh. Amen. It's laughing at you every day, every single day. Can you not hear? Can you not see that flesh laughing at you? No, you're too busy feeling it. You're not too busy finding and seeing it. You need to see how wicked that flesh is. You need to see how evil that sin is. You need to see how wicked the world is. You need to see how corrupt sin can be. 
If you would just only pay attention and see how evil it is more and more, it would make you angry more and more. It would make you want to defeat and conquer this flesh more and more. Jeremiah chapter 51 and verse 34 through 36 it reads, Nebuchadrezzar the king of Babylon hath devoured me, he hath crushed me, he hath made me an empty vessel, he hath swallowed me up like a dragon, he hath filled his belly with my delicates, he hath cast me out. The violence done to me and to my flesh be upon Babylon, shall the inhabitant of Zion say, and my blood upon the inhabitants of Chaldea shall Jerusalem say, Therefore, thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will plead thy cause and take vengeance for thee, and I will dry up her sea and make her springs dry. Now this passage is talking about the nation of Israel being persecuted, being hurt by the pagan nation of Babylon. And because God loves his city, Jerusalem, he says, I'm going to seek vengeance for you and I'm going to pay it back. What keeps vengeance operating is that if there is somebody you love so much or something you love so much that is being hurt and damaged by something evil, that will make you angry. What makes you angry is that there is something or somebody you greatly love that is being hurt by an evil enemy. Can you imagine if it was your wife that was being hurt and beaten up by some so-and-so out there that has no right to do it? Wouldn't that make you angry? Well, it should. If it doesn't make you angry, there's something wrong with you, I think. But it should make you angry. I already have some people in my church who get angry about some of the emails that I get. And me, I'm just used to people, you know, poking fun at me, you know, criticizing me online. We even have people who troll inside our church of all things just to attack me, criticize me. I mean, imagine people wasting, uh, wasting their life on a whole day just to troll and attack and to criticize, preaching and teaching of the Word of God. Can, I mean, you got nothing better to do in your life. But I got some of my members who get upset about that. Me, I'm just used to it by now, but I get some members who get upset about it. Why? Because they love their pastor so much. They love their pastor so much so it makes them angry. They can't help but be upset and grieved. So that's a natural reaction when there's somebody or something that you greatly love being hurt by something evil. It should make you angry. It should make you upset. So the reason why you will not avenge against your flesh is very simple. This evil enemy of yours that's hurting the spiritual nature inside of you, you don't really care for your spiritual nature one bit. You don't even love your spiritual nature one bit. You could care less that it would starve to death in Bible reading and it would dry and die itself of thirst through, uh, through lack of prayer and that the spiritual nature will always be cowardice and cannot grow and it will remain in its infant stage. You don't care about that infant stage that is crying out, that is grieving. You don't love it one bit. You could care less about street preaching and soul winning. You could care less that you can commit Keep committing the sin, keep committing the worldly thing, and let it hurt the spiritual nature within you. You could care less. You don't love it. If you truly love the spiritual nature inside you, that hidden treasure, Jesus Christ, the hope of glory, man, what a wonderful treasure you have inside you. If you really loved him as much as you should, then you would seek vengeance for him and say, okay, Lord, I'm going to pay back against this flesh. I'm going to kick this flesh so hard. I'm sick and tired, Lord, of how this flesh has grieved and hurt you. Don't you love the Lord and Savior who died for you, who gave his life for you? It should make you angry, huh? Make you angry against this wicked flesh. If there is evil, every evil word and adjective that I want to describe it and put upon one thing, it may not be the devil, it'll be more so on this flesh of mine. That's how much you should be angry against this flesh. You know why? Because it's hurting the Holy Spirit within you right now. Right now, because you've been starving it. You've been caring less about it. Shouldn't you love it? 
That would keep vengeance operating, right? So before you sin, before you yield into the flesh, just look at the Lord and just imagine the face of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who's bleeding on the cross on your behalf. Then you try sinning after that. You try yielding to the flesh after that. My second point is obstacles for vengeance. Obstacles for vengeance. What prevents vengeance from taking place against your flesh are these following obstacles, I realize. Psalms chapter 145 verse 8 says, The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger, and of great mercy. Now, this verse is such a great verse. It makes us, uh, makes us rejoice and shout, right? That the Lord, man, thank God that he is slow to anger. That he did not beat me over the head like I deserved. Amen? God is loving. Because these attributes are positive. He's gracious, that's why. He's full of compassion, that's why. Not only that, he's, with his anger, he's very slow to it. Not only that, his mercy is too great. Mercy is basically something that I deserve, like his punishment, yet I don't get it. So that's a great verse. But then I start to realize, as I start to take this verse, I'm like thinking, wait a minute. So what prevents the Lord from taking vengeance and anger are these positive attributes. Graciousness, full of compassion and mercy. If it were not for these attributes, then his vengeance would take place, his anger would take place actually. The only thing that's defeating and hindering the anger and vengeance is mercy, compassion, and grace, which is good, amen? Thank God for that. Otherwise, we would have been shot to hell a long time ago. But then I start to realize that, wait a minute, if we are to seek vengeance against our flesh, I wonder if these positive attributes, grace, mercy, compassion, is what's preventing my vengeance against the flesh. So instead of reading, the Lord is gracious, full of compassion, slow to anger, and of great mercy, I wonder if I read it this way, that I am gracious to my flesh. I am full of compassion to my flesh. I am slow to anger to my flesh. And I show great mercy to my flesh. I wonder if I read it that way. That's the reason why my vengeance cannot take place. My anger cannot take place against this wicked flesh of mine. You know, instead of being angry against the flesh with its desires, what is your fleshly desires? Is it the same temptation and sin over and over again? Is it drugs? Is it something sexual? Is it something worldly? Is it the worldly music? Is it the worldly things that you watch on TV? The worldly games that you play? The chats, the media, the dressing? Or what is it? What is it that is your fleshly desire that instead of being angry against it, you cherish it? huh? In, what do you do against the fleshly lust? You show, you show grace to it, not anger. You show so much grace to it. Basically, what grace is, is that uh, something I don't deserve, and yet I get it. So, the Lord, thank God for His grace. I do not deserve heaven, but He gave it to me anyway through salvation. That's the same thing I realize that I show to this flesh. My flesh, it does not deserve the sin and the satiation of the lust. It doesn't deserve that. But I give it to it anyway. And I sacrifice my time, my joy, my peace to give this flesh, to satisfy this flesh when it doesn't even deserve it. I show so much grace to my flesh. I show so much compassion to my flesh. Not just compassion, but as that verse says in Psalms 145, full of compassion to my flesh. I don't get angry against this guy one bit. I don't try to defeat this or battle it one bit. Instead, I show it compassion, and not just compassion, full of compassion. It's okay. Take your time. You're not ready to serve God yet. You soothe your mind and your flesh saying, uh, uh, don't pass out the track. Don't try to witness to the soul. Don't try to read your Bible. It takes time. Don't quit the sin yet. Don't quit the worldly thing yet. I mean, it's okay. And you show it full of compassion against this flesh. 
You don't have to dedicate yourself to come here early to the church and preach and teach to this audience. I mean, you got to realize, Gene, that you're just young and, you know, you're single and that you can't take care of everything. And, you know, just take care of, uh, just take time full of compassion to my flesh. Oftentimes when we serve God or work in this ministry, we drag ourselves to church, right? You know why? Because you're fighting against the flesh. You're not showing it compassion. Why do you show this flesh compassion? And not just compassion, full of compassion. Slow to anger. You're not angry against this flesh. You're very slow to anger against this flesh. This flesh, you're very slow to anger. You said, it's okay. You say, you know, it's understandable. The Lord understands that you messed up again. And, you know, uh, the people in the church, they understand if you, are, if you don't dedicate to serve God yet again. It's okay. And then, see, you know what you do? You're slow to anger against the flesh. When the flesh annoys you, you know what you do? You, you quickly forget the annoyance. You quickly forget the guilt by drowning your flesh with more, with more sins. We're trying to satisfy the flesh more. It could be sleeping it off, exercising it off, drinking the sorrows away. Who knows what it is? But you, you're slow to anger against this flesh. Not only that, of great mercy. The flesh deserves to be kicked. You know that? Listen, the flesh does not deserve an, an extra hour of sleep. It doesn't deserve that. It needs to be kicked out of sleep and on its knees praying and reading the Word of God. This flesh don't deserve it. But see, there's a lot of things that this flesh, there's a lot of things that this flesh deserves. The flesh deserves to be kicked. Remember, mercy means what you deserve, but you don't get. All right? The flesh deserves to be kicked. The flesh deserves to be dragged. The flesh deserves to feel miserable when you're overburdened with work, school, and the ministry. It deserves to be burdened that much so that you can serve God. It, de it deserves all the hurt. It deserves sacrifice, lust, comfort. deserves to be sacrificed. It deserves all of that. It deserves all of that. It deserves to be kicked. The problem, what we do with our flesh, though, is that we show it mercy. We don't give it. It deserves to be kicked, but we don't give it. We show it mercy. The flesh, it deserves to, uh, feel, <clears throat> to feel sacrificed on the altar. It deserves that, but we don't give it. We show it mercy. You know what this flesh should have? No mercy. No mercy. But we keep giving it mercy. This is a great sermon today, isn't it? <laughs> it's like an eye-opener sometimes because I'm speaking about myself. A lot of times it becomes an eye-opener to me that, man, what have I been doing in my flesh all this time? I've been showing up mercy, grace, compassion, when it doesn't deserve any of that. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 23 through 24 and verse 26, it reads, And as he talked with him, behold, there came up the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, out of the armies of the Philistines, and spake according to the same words. And David heard them. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were sore afraid. And David spake to the men that stood by him, saying, what shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine and taketh away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Now in this passage, the children of Israel, they were scared of the giant, Goliath of Gath. And Goliath was taunting the Jews every single day, making fun of them, making fun of their God, and man, if somebody blasphemes Jesus, that should make you angry, right? I know it makes me angry. Hearing a dirty joke about Jesus, you should shut your mouth, man. 
and people winning Grammy Awards and, you know, uh, the best award for the dirtiest joke and etc. I mean, that is just wicked and pure as hell, man. It should make you angry. But see, these Jews, they don't get angry at the giant making fun of their God, making fun of, uh, making fun of their nation and their people. But David is angry. David is so angry that he's like, who's going to conquer and kill this uncircumcised Philistine? He called him uncircumcised Philistine. You can tell that David was angry. But what prevented the Jews from getting angry? It's because emotions from their flesh became the obstacle to their vengeance. And this particular emotion we see is fear. You know why you're not angry against your flesh? Because you're afraid that this flesh doesn't feel good. You're afraid that this flesh won't feel happy. Because of that emotion of fear, that's why you don't fight against the flesh. You don't resist against the flesh. Because you fear what the Lord might take away from you. What the Lord might ask you to sacrifice. There is that fear of emotion that you say, no, I want to coddle this flesh a little longer. I want to protect this flesh. And because of that, that prevents your emotion of vengeance and anger against this wicked flesh. Another emotion is shame. Shame. The reason why you don't want to pay back against this flesh and drag it to street preaching or to uh, visitation or to tell the soul how to get saved or give them a track is because of shame. It's because you're so ashamed of how you look in front of other people. <clears throat> you're ashamed of, of how the gospel is preached about against rebuking against sin and hellfire. It's too embarrassing. Or that Jesus is the only way to heaven and not Muhammad, Buddha, Confucius, and Mary. Yeah, I said it and I'm not ashamed of it. So there you go. But see, people are ashamed about that. And because of that shame, they don't, that prevents them from being angry against their flesh when it feels shame. When the flesh feels shame, you should be angry against it. You should say, you, why, are you, why are you feeling such shame? Drag yourself in front of the street and hold that sign and be unashamed for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, if people are so unashamed nowadays for a lot of things that's going on in UC Berkeley and the riots and etc., I mean, how can you, how can you be ashamed of the, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ? That is phenomenal. That should make you angry, amen? Doesn't that make you a little angry against your flesh? should. It makes me angry against my flesh. Discouragement is also what prevents you from paying back against your flesh. What prevents you from paying back against your flesh and say, okay, let's go to church. Okay, let's read the Bible. Let's pray. Is that emotion from the flesh saying, you're going to fail your Bible reading again. Ah, uh, you know, you sinned and messed up again, so the Lord's not going to hear your prayer. The brethren, the church, and the pastor is going to look down on you when you come back to church. See, that emotion of discouragement is sent from the pits of hell, and that prevents you from getting angry against your flesh, against your sin, and to try to fight back and to take back what's rightfully yours, the joy and peace in the Holy Ghost. What becomes obstacles for vengeance is emotions from the flesh. And you need to find out what it is. What is it, the emotion from the flesh, that's preventing you from getting angry at your flesh? Is it bitterness toward other people? Is it misery? Is it tiredness? Is it weariness? What is it? What is the emotion from your flesh? The emotion from the flesh will become the obstacle from the emotion that you need the most, and that is vengeance and anger against the flesh. If there is one emotion that you need from the flesh to pay it back, it's not loving the flesh. It's not grace toward the flesh. It's not being depressed and miserable, discouraged. It is anger against the flesh. You need anger against that flesh. You need vengeance. One of the worst emotions ever, which I kind of indicated, the worst emotion that you'll ever have 
toward this flesh. It's not discouragement. It's not fear and shame. The worst emotion is love. The best emotion that the Lord knows what is best is love when it's used toward Him. But it becomes the worst emotion when it's used toward a different object and different person. And that's your flesh. The greatest gift is love. The greatest power is love. But it also becomes the greatest hurt. The greatest damage in your life. And that is when you show love toward this flesh. When you love this flesh so much, guess what? Anger easily goes away. You know what prevents bitterness toward the brethren? What prevents hatred and uh, discomfort against the brethren? Is love. Unconditional, strong, powerful love. That erases, the Bible says love covers a multitude of sins. When you have love toward the brethren, it overlooks a lot of things actually. But that's the same power when that love is used toward what? The flesh. And guess what? You can forgive anything that this flesh does. When you love this flesh so much, you'll forgive this flesh for skipping Bible reading again. And you'll love it unconditionally. You'll forgive this flesh when it skips prayer. You'll forgive this flesh when it falls back into the same sin and struggle again. You'll forgive whenever this flesh commits the ten thousandth fall and the sin. You'll overlook it because love covers a multitude of sins. How can you give a twisted, distorted emotion to this wicked thing that does not care about you, but only itself? Don't you know that? The flesh doesn't care about you. The flesh doesn't. No, the flesh cares about me. No, the flesh doesn't care about you. You might say, but the flesh is me. Ah, see, you lost the battle. What's the, what's the key to victorious Christian life? Do you remember? The real you is not your flesh. The real you is what? The Holy Spirit inside you. And see, you don't really love the Holy Spirit inside you. You don't really care about or love yourself, your life. You let, you let yourself become miserable and starve to death, feeling guilt, uh, uncomfortable conscience. But you show so much compassion and love toward this wicked outer shell. That is not really you. This is not you. Bless God, what you're watching online, this outer shell, is just a dead outer shell. This is not Gene Kim. I mean, let me give an easy example that pretty much anyone can agree with, even lost people. I mean, drugs, once the flesh tastes it, what happens? The flesh is hooked to it, isn't it? The flesh is addicted to it, isn't it? And does the flesh care about your life? No. The flesh, what does it want? It wants more. And it could care less that you lose your job. It could care less that you smell stinky and that you don't take care of good hygiene of yourself. It could care less that it makes you angry and that you fight against your family and that you abuse your children, you abuse your loved one. The flesh could care less. You know why? Because all it cares about is itself. It doesn't care about truly your life. Amen. Even an unbeliever can admit, can admit that I'm right with the example that I gave. So why do you have such a twisted, this is a twisted love that you have. How can you love something that doesn't care about yourself but just wants to ruin you? I mean, uh, you got Stockholm Syndrome or something? Probably because you're locked up with this guy, right? Stockholm Syndrome, you lived and, and lived with this flesh for so many years and then the flesh deceived you that, hey, we're in it together. You really love me, don't you? And I really love you, right? So let's fall asleep and skip Bible reading and prayer again. I really love you and you really love me, don't you? That's why let's not attend church anymore and do what we want in this world. This is what we want. Not me, says the flesh. It's not what I want. It's what you want too, right? It's, uh, we're collaborating and agreeing over here. Let's do what we want. Isn't God unfair? Isn't that pastor so mean? Isn't that church so legalistic? I mean, they're just, they don't really care about you. I mean, they, they keep judging you. They keep talking about things that hurt against what we like. And see, that is a wicked enemy that deceived you yeah. with that Stockholm Syndrome where you locked up with this flesh and it made you turn against the people and the beings that the Lord sent upon your life who truly love and care and pray for you. 
What a wicked enemy! This I hope some of you I hope pretty much everybody is angry now against this flesh. The worst enemy is this flesh right here. Bless God, the thing that I'll be shouting really loud the most is when this wicked robe and garment of flesh of mine cracks and turns to dust and the worms are eating it up. And you can make my casket pretty, all right? If I die and some of you just want to see that, you know, to comfort yourselves, okay, I get that. But man, when, once it goes down the ground, I'll be shouting when the worms eat it all up and when it turns to dust and I look at that flesh and say, that's you, man. That's where you belong. But me, I'm home in glory with my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And guess what? God's going to do a major body operation on you and He's going to transform you wicked flesh into something holy and pure. Blessed God! Hallelujah! Can't wait for that day. The flesh didn't like hearing that. You hear that flesh? You're going to transform. You're going to change, man. Amen. That's why Proverbs chapter 22, verse 8 is so enlightening. It says, He that soweth iniquity shall reap vanity, and the rod of his anger shall fail. See, when you love sin so much, you love the lust so much, guess what? The rod of your anger is not going to prosper. Your anger against the flesh will not prosper. It will fail automatically. Why? Because love covereth the multitude of sins, so to speak. My third point is outcome for vengeance. Outcome for vengeance. Let's look at the outcome. Nahum chapter 1 verse 2 says, God is jealous and the Lord revengeth. The Lord revengeth and is furious. The Lord will take vengeance on his adversaries and he reserveth wrath for his enemies. Proverbs chapter 27 verse 4 says, Wrath is cruel and anger is outrageous, but who is able to stand before envy? You know, one of the outcomes of vengeance is actually jealousy. Jealousy. Didn't you know that? When you are seeking vengeance against somebody, there's something that you're upset about that somebody and even covetous and jealous of. If you have a deep-seated anger and vengeance, it can turn into jealousy. There is a thing called godly jealousy. Didn't you know that? At the book of 2 Corinthians, I believe, chapter 11. The Bible says that God's name is what? Jealous. Jealous is good when it's used on the right things, not on the wrong things. Jealousy can be powerful because the Bible says wrath is cruel, anger is outrageous, but who can stand before envy? You know what can help you powerfully against this flesh that can be powerful than anger is jealousy. You need to be jealous against this wicked flesh. Some of you are not jealous enough. You know why? Because the thing is, is that the very first point, you're not finding the problem and the burden that makes you angry to begin with. You're not finding the problem with your flesh. You're feeling the flesh. Remember that first point? You need to get back over there. And if you start finding the problems with your flesh, with yourself, then what happens is then you become angry and even jealous. Why? You should be jealous that the flesh robbed you of your time. Yeah. That time, that sweet hour of prayer, yeah. Bible reading, that time where you can uh, spend in accomplishing your work in your school, but procrastination and laziness holds you back. The time where you can spend with your loved ones and family members, but then the flesh, it just becomes lazy and dreary and dry. The flesh robs you of your time. Aren't you jealous of that? Doesn't time belong to you? Then the Bible says all things are yours. Well, why aren't you claiming all things are yours? Everything that God has created can be yours, but you're not claiming it and enjoying it because the flesh robs you of your time. Too much stuck on TV, the internet, video games. Flesh is robbing you of your time and other sinful things. Aren't you jealous of this flesh? The flesh is enjoying itself, making itself fat and enjoying itself a good time while you're being miserable, while you're feeling guilty. While you're feeling like empty inside. Aren't you jealous of the flesh robbing you of your joy? You know why? The flesh wants to feel all the joy. 
drugs, sexual, TV, internet, electronic addiction, or whatever it is, the flesh wants to feel all the joy. It wants to feel all the joy with the worldliness or with the lost loved ones and family members who are being a bad influence on you. The flesh wants to feel the joy of the drinking and drugs, etc. But guess what? You, you're feeling miserable inside and empty and guilty. See, aren't you jealous of that flesh that's stealing and robbing all your joy in the Lord? That joy that you had in summer camp. That joy that you had after reading the Bible and praying. That joy that you had of singing and shouting. That joy. Aren't you mad against this flesh robbing you of that? I mean, the time when we, you can come to church, and I notice that sometimes that some of you, you just feel the joy when you're around brethren. I don't know about all of you, but I can definitely say some of you at least. That we feel the joy of being around brethren summer camp, the blowout, we laugh, we cry, we shout, we hug, we shake hands. I mean, the joy of the Lord. And nothing defeats that more than the flesh saying, I'm just too busy, so I can't come. Yeah, flesh saying, oh, I'm just too tired, I can't do that. Or finding some legitimate excuse. It has to be legitimate. A legitimate excuse that robs you of your joy where you can spend time in church and serve God and be with the brethren. Aren't you jealous of that flesh? Aren't you jealous of the flesh where it's accomplishing so much of its lust, whereas you're not accomplishing so much in the Holy Spirit? Have you ever sensed the feeling of accomplishment at the end of the day after you read your Bible, after you prayed, after you passed out tracts? After you joined street preaching or visitation or did some witnessing on your own, after you came to church and fellowship with the brethren, and then at the end of the night, you just feel like, man, I accomplished something. Did you ever have that feeling before or never? Feels great, right? Yeah. Aren't you angry that the flesh at the middle, at nighttime, at the end of the night, you feel like, I didn't accomplish anything for the Lord. Oh, I feel down. Oh, I failed God again. And the flesh, it goes to sleep and says, ah. I accomplished so much for the day. Ah, good time. Now let's go to sleep and then I can't wait for the next day. Aren't you jealous against that flesh? Aren't you jealous of the flesh robbing you of your peace in the Lord? The flesh always seeks its peace, right? With its worldly friends, with drinking, with social media, etc., but not in the Holy Ghost and Bible reading and prayer. Aren't you jealous of that flesh? Were you giving so much peace to it, but not the Holy Spirit within you? Aren't you jealous of the flesh where it's robbing you of your rewards? You know what? You're too busy gathering the, the rewards on this earth that rewards your flesh. Property, money, job, good school, more friends. Loved ones, catching up with your favorite Netflix shows or uh, going to the next level in the video game, finding a, a love life. And see, you know, you just want to reward the flesh. And you let the flesh rob you of your rewards of gold, silver, precious stones. And not only that, why are you chasing on the rewards of this world when God's going to give you all things, the inheritance of all things for eternity? You're, you're letting the flesh rob you of its rewards because you're too busy rewarding the flesh. Don't you? Don't you feel like that? You want, you deserve, and you have the right to rewards. God has given you the right by payment of His blood. He's given you the right to the rewards of all things. And not just a, I want a little apartment in San Francisco Bay Area and I'm happy. What in the world, man? You own cities for eternity. What are you wasting your time on? Aren't you jealous of this flesh? Be jealous of this flesh and how you're rewarding it and you're not getting the reward. Ezekiel chapter 5 verse 13 says, Thus shall mine anger be accomplished, and I will cause my fury to rest upon them, and I will be comforted, and they shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken it in my zeal when I have accomplished my fury in them. You know what the outcome of vengeance is? is that when you, when you fulfill your vengeance, there's comfort in there. There's like a, ah, oh, 
Man, that feels better. That I pay back against something that's wicked and evil. I mean, doesn't it feel good when you conquered your laziness and you did Bible reading and prayer first? Doesn't it feel good when you conquered your stay at home alone in misery and came to church anyway? Doesn't it feel good when you conquered your solitude and that you spent that time with the brethren instead? Doesn't it feel good when you conquered your depression and misery and you were rejoicing and singing hymns in the Lord? Doesn't it feel good when you conquered the flesh and Satan for the entire day in your service for the Lord? And it feels great when you go to bed at night and says, Man, Lord, it feels great that I just pay back against the flesh and the devil. I'm glad I dragged myself to Bible reading. I dragged myself to church. I dragged my lazy flesh, my wicked flesh. I made sure my flesh abstained from this sin. Boy, it feels good. Don't you feel like very comforted at night after that? If you're so upset against this flesh, pay it back. When you wake up in the morning, you need to not feel the flesh. You need to find and see this wicked flesh. And you need to see how evil it is, how wicked it is. When you look at yourself in the mirror in the morning, instead of looking at your pretty self, you should look at your ugly self and say, look at that, you wicked devil, you. That wicked devil, you. And then you need to talk to that flesh and say, okay, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to read my Bible. I am going to pray. And when the flesh says, oh, you're too tired and you're too busy, you know what you need to do? You need to pay it back. You need to say, hey, flesh, you better shut up before I read an extra chapter of the Bible. And when that flesh says, ah, you, uh, you know, uh, pray, you don't have to fall on your knees and pray. You know, you don't have to spend time praying. The other brethren on WhatsApp, they'll be praying. You don't have to pray. And you better tell that wicked flesh, Hey, flesh, you better shut up before I fall on my knees and spend five more minutes praying. I might turn it into an hour if you're not careful. When that flesh says, oh, doesn't that sin look tasteful? It looks so delicious. It tastes so delicious. It feels very good. You need to tell that flesh, you better shut up or I'm going to make you starve by reading the Bible. And we're going to just shout and run around the room a little bit. And we're going to go to church, all right? I'm just going to make you do that. You better watch out, flesh. You better watch out, flesh. I mean, when that flesh comes up and tempts you to sin, hangs around the wrong crowd, you better tell that flesh, you better shut up before I fellowship with the brethren again. And I'm going to fellowship with the brethren again. And I'm going to, uh, even if I can't have time to fellowship, I'm going to go out and soul win. Flesh, you better shut up when you're at home all alone feeling comfortable. Don't you want to feel miserable? I just want to whine. I just want to complain. I just want to critique. I want to feel miserable all alone at home. And hey, flesh, you better shut up or I'm going to drag your butt into street preaching and hold a sign and preach. Maybe that'll tell you to shut up, flesh. Look at that flesh and kick it. Give it a good kick in the morning. Attack the flesh. Pay it back tenfold. When that flesh makes you fall into sin one time, pay it back tenfold in doing the fruits of the Spirit. Pay back against that flesh. Every head bow and every eye shut. Maybe you want to pay back the flesh right now on this altar call.